SBC Media. Hello and welcome to Cinema Reels, the gambling movie podcast where we determine which flicks sail high as a kite and which are the drug trip from hell. I'm your host, Jessica Wellman, editor of SBC Americas, and I'm joined by SBC Media's sales director, John Cook, and our multimedia editor, James Ross. And boys, I think we've got a doozy of a film on our hands this week. Doozy? Yeah, no. It's, and you don't think it's... An, that's an underestimation. I despise this film. Sorry to throw it out well, there. For, for those of you at home, to catch you up, we watched Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas this week. And I know that, here's my, I know that this movie comes with, uh, it's, it's cult classic, people revere Hunter S. Thompson. And so it's like, I know I'm supposed to be at least like respectful of this movie, but I, I don't know if it can be. Yeah, there's no... There's no James, way. can you save us from this? No, I think you could just remove the uh, the fear out of the title. I love this film. It's a- nice. All right, well, that's our podcast. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, you know what? Let's we'll go through this and we'll give give our reasons. But first, let's start with a happier question, which is: If you had to go on a road trip with a celebrity, which ce- celebrity would you pick? I'm going to, I like mine and I'm ready to go. So I'm going to go first. While he's still alive and kicking, I would love to go on a road trip with Mel Brooks because I think he would be so funny, one, and he would just have all the stories, right? I could just kind of like throw out a name, be like, you know, Sinatra, Goldie Hawn, Kurt Russell, and, and he would have stories inevitably. And so I think it would be, so much fun to go on a road trip with Melbourne. That's a good show. I like that. I I think mine is going to be Tom Hanks. I'd love to go on a road trip with Tom Hanks. Number one, because I'd like him to talk like Woody all the way, because he kind of does talk like Woody, and that would just make me feel happy. Um, but he's just done such a diverse range of films, and I just think it would be fascinating understanding his method and understanding how he does it. And He's it, funny, too. He's, like, I don't he's think, really funny. I also think like, he's really nice. Like, if you watch nuts. the interviews of him with, like, Letterman and stuff like that, he's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You've also got the fact... He's just... I mean, when they were stuck down in Australia for COVID with him and his wife, and they got ill, and the whole world was just like, not Tom Hanks! Uh, and he survived it. I mean, they did, like, loads of videos and stuff like that to the wider world and, like, positive test yourself and all that sort of stuff. But... They, they just seem like such a lovely couple. Um, but, you know, there's also the downsides to Tom Hanks. Are there? There are. What the, downs- the Epstein Island essentially might be one. He might oh. talk a lot about typewriters, but like, you yeah. know, I like a typewriter. I was, actually, I was actually going more along the lines of sort of typewriters, boring collections and stuff like that, less about things that potentially get like us some, into legal issues. He likes some esoteric stuff. Um. But yeah, I just think the the number one thing that I I really don't like about Tom Hanks, but is also possibly the number one reason that I love Tom Hanks is the 
you know, do you remember the massive piano scene in, in FAO Schwartz in Big? In Big, Where yeah. they're dancing. Like, I can't remember who the other dude is. I can't remember who the other actor is. But the way that the other actor was playing the piano with his feet, it was like it was Fred Astaire. It was amazing. His footwork was just spectacular. But Tom Hanks through the whole thing, it was just sort of like jump up and almost hit the key, but not quite. And it was a little bit just sort of blur. But to do that whole scene and like to get it in sequence must have been a technological sort of nightmare and a, a filming nightmare. But it kind of looks like they did it in one take, but they didn't. So whoever did the cutting on that was just like spot on. Um, the other but, guy was Robert Loja, by the way. Uh, there you go. I thought you were doing a bit of a Google there. Uh, I also love Tom Hanks, mainly from the film Turner and Hooch, though. And mainly because uh, yeah. of Hooch. Oh, All right, James, James I'm going huge. to tell you right now, sure. before you make a pick, your pick cannot be an animated character. It needs to be a real person. Okay, so the use have actually gone for the, the bigger names and the kind of the film names. I've gone for a more TV actress and Jenna Fisher. Who? She played Pam Beasley in The Office. In the British office? Oh, no, the, the American, American the office. American one, yeah. Okay. I, I never did The American office. I tried, and I hated it, so. I prefer The American to The British office. Um, I think the narrative, the character developments are so much better in The American one. Obviously, you've got a longer time to flesh it out. But her character, Pam Beasley, kind of her back and forth with Jim was kind of my banter, my humour, and if I'm going on a long car journey, I kind of want that back and forth. Do you think she's that way, or do you think it was scripted that way? So, I've been listening to the podcast that she does with uh, Angela Kinsey, who plays Angela in The Office. Yeah, it's the same back and forth. It's the same kind of one-liner, quippy banter, but timid and fun play. And then I kind of like that. And I think again, if you want that on a road, if you want someone like that on a road trip, I want that back and forth. I don't want all these long stories of. Years gone by. I want someone to maybe stop me falling asleep. <laughs> nice. I've actually, I think I've actually changed my mind. No. You just gave us all this on Tom Hanks, but who now? Tom Hanks is going to be good. No, I love Tom Hanks, but I'm no, gonna, not enough to keep him. No, I'm going to boot him out of the moving car for Trevor Noah. Because we kind of went celebrity, but we also went, uh, we also went sort of, uh, Oh, well, I certainly just naturally went to film rather than going TV and everything like that. Do you, do you guys know who Trevor Noah is? No, I, do. I was going to ask, who's Trevor Noah? Trevor Noah is a South African-born comedian who is now a talk show host in the US. He hosts The Daily Show here? He hosts The Daily Show. And he is one of the funniest dudes on the planet, but he's also hyper-intelligent. He's, like, super intelligent, and he comes up with some really, really good oh. things. And yesterday, I was watching the Anna Kedrick. A Kedrick? Is that Kedrick? Is that how you say it? Do you know who I'm talking about? Anna Kedrick? No. Is it Kedrick? Anna Kendrick. 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 Anna Kendrick. Sorry, Anna Kendrick. Just because you are going to be listening, obviously. Uh, I watched her and him do the... sort of. He does this thing which is like in between the shoots. So like in between the interviews, he does this thing with the crowd. And she just came out and they had such sort of like... Just beautiful banter together. Was that scripted banter? No. All right. It was well, I'm going to segue before banter. John has like a bus full of celebrities that he's going on a trip. <laughs> Actually, with. Anna Kendrick's going to be in the back. <laughs> I do love she Anna can sing. Kendrick. She can sing. Music. 
And it would be great to just put a soundtrack on and she'd just sing along to it. Anyway, I'm going to shut up. I know we would rather talk about this than the film, (laughs) but it's time to actually talk about the movie this week. I'm going to give a spoiler alert. I can't fathom anything we say disrupting this movie. I don't know if it's possible to spoil it because it's kind of plotless. Uh, so we'll see, but you know, if you're really hypersensitive to spoilers, keep in mind, we're going to discuss specific aspects of this movie. So here's your time to tune out. All right. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas is a 1998 film from Terry Gilliam, adapting the cult classic Hunter S. Thompson novel of the same name. Johnny Depp plays Raul Duke, a thinly veiled version of Thompson who hits the road for Vegas along with his lawyer, Dr. Gonzo, played by Benicio Del Toro. The two push the limits of debauchery in Sin City as Duke considers American capitalism, consumerism, and the pipe dream Vegas sells to its visitors. Um, that's the best I could do summing this movie up. The best description of the film I've ever had. Um, uh, can, I, can I put a 5P's worth into the description of the movie? Go for it. It's like sitting with a drain opening a road looking at the sewage coming down your street. That's a bit of a description of this movie. You know what? I, I Halfway through this movie, which is just essentially a series of drug trips. Yeah. Set pieces of people on drugs not like viewing their surroundings in a different way than they actually are. I was just like, you know what I hate more than anything? is being around people on drugs. Like, I don't I don't mind drunk people, but high people annoy the tar out of me, and I have a very low tolerance for them. So that's when I realized, I was like, this movie is just never going to do it for me yeah. because I, I hate you people. I hate having to deal with people in this state. So having to watch people in this state and not be, like, able to free myself from it for t- two hours was torturous I, I yeah i get it i i mean i i think there are some people in this world that that just don't grow up and you get to the point where hanging around people that are sitting there on drugs is just unpleasant i've done it and i used to have i suppose semi-patience with it when i was younger but now nah you're all right thanks it's just not not something i'm interested in but i think the way to explain this movie in general is it's just complete and utter disaster without any shape without any trajectory absolutely no purpose absolutely there's just no direction in the film at all and Terry Gillingham uh, Gilliam face famously said he wanted to this to become one of the best movies of all time but also the most hated movie of all time I think he's worked. He's managed that on one. Part, yeah. He's got. He's managed he's got that. Half of it, he's right? got half of it. But then, arguably, has he also got the other because he was nominated for Palm Door with it, and there were some real awards that went around for Johnny Depp and Del Toro and so on and this side of thing. But man, this movie is just poor. Well, let me let me back up a second. What is your opinion or relationship with Hunter S. Thompson? Slim. James, I'm assuming you have none and don't know who this is. I know he's the author of the book. Is that right? He did write the book that this movie is based on. Correct. Um, Um, 
That's about it. Yes. Oh, John, was, do you did, know? Didn't he take a lot of drugs right in the book? I mean, he took a lot of drugs throughout his life. Uh, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. John, do you have a relationship or no Hunter S. I Thompson? Have, I know I have no relationship. So, like, in the U.S., like, I'm, he is a very revered figure in certain writing circles because he came up with this thing called gonzo journalism, is, is what he calls it, where he's writing from an extreme first-person point of view. It's kind of writing independent of, like, news, you know? It's like that dirt race at, he went to, and it's just more about his experience at the dirt race than what's happening in the race itself. I have lots of friends who are in gambling writing who think that this man is like the be-all, end-all of all writers. But he kind of falls into, he's a little older than that beat generation, like Jack Kerouac and stuff, but it's like, I think the same kinds of people appreciate him for those reasons. And so I'm, I, I'm aware that in the, in the U.S., he has this very like revered place in people's hearts. And he writes this way. The big one that I know, he's from Louisville, Kentucky originally, and he wrote an essay, the Kentucky Derby is depraved, and I'm going to get the rest of the title wrong, that people around here love. So, I mean, I, I think people going in who like Hunter S. Thompson, you're, this is what they want to see. Really? Do people actually want to see this? I kind of... I kind of see this as like, I because I don't have a relationship with Hunter S. Thompson, but I have a relationship with Terry Gilliam and where the Monty Python sort of comedy and outlandishness and his sort of unique style of um, altruism, I suppose, is one way of putting it, but also creativity is, is a little bit whack. Um, I kind of also could see people following this from a Gilliam perspective expecting like the big foot of God to come down and stamp on Johnny Depp at some point and like there are bits within the film where you kind of think oh I, I've i seen that before and then you suddenly realise you've seen a load of lizards walking on Monty Python at some stage and you've seen a lot of sort of links through his, his stuff um, so while I don't know Hunter S. Thompson, I can see where a British audience might like this in a similar way. But I don't think we have the like we know of Gonzo journalism and stuff along those lines in in the UK. And I don't think we have particular sort of specialists or protagonists of that sort of that sort of genre. But I certainly think the Gilliam uh, genre is very well known, and and the, a British audience would see that within this film. Um, James, are you a Terry Gilliam person at all? Um, I don't mind the Monty Python. That surprises me that you, you're you kind right. of a little bit... Ag ag I thought you would have been a bit of a fan of it, and I thought you would have been sort of like, I like it a lot. Um, no, because I'm not really a fan of that kind of humour in a way. You have it similar with films like Airplane and stuff like that, but I just can't get my head around... That type of humour. I don't find it funny. A Life of Brian's pretty cool in some ways, some memorable stuff in it, but the Monty Python sketches 
they don't really do anything for me. It's from my generation. It was very similar to like Low Britain, which was just non. I'm a little surprised too that Terry Gilliam wouldn't be up your alley because, as much as I don't like this movie, it's visually interesting. He's making Mm, very like visually interesting choices, and that is textbook Terry Gilliam across Uh, all his films is creating something that just it doesn't look like real life. It looks like this strange heightened place and. I felt like that might be something that appealed to you. See, for me, it was actually the opposite. It was just the whole film was a sensory overload to my eyes. I just, I couldn't comprehend what was going on. I couldn't actually focus on the very lack of a narrative that there actually was because I was just trying to digest everything that was on the screen. And from the lighting to just how vibrant the colours were to the scenes themselves and sometimes how blurry it even was in certainly the hotel rooms. I was just like, and there was such like a quick change of kind of contrast from the hotel room the photographer came in and then all of a sudden turned into an army man and the lighting and using that scene i was just like it's too much it's too much for me to watch and considering i watched it in the morning it wasn't a good thing to wake up to because i was just <laughs> struggling to comprehend I everything say, like, i'm curious what you guys think again i like the fisher king that terry gilliam movie i might put that in my top 20 all time yeah. i think that movie is incredible and i think the other ones I've seen visually look really interesting. I tried to be like, is some of my judgment that this movie is 25 years old, but like these effects, even by 1998 standards, they look cheap, right? But but this is the thing. So a lot of the problem with this film is it's, it's pretty much done on a shoestring. Yeah. You There's can not tell a they lot of budget no in there. They had absolutely no money in it. And you've got to bear in mind that while this was released in 1998, they attempted to start filming in 92, but with a completely different cast. And they'd even tried to start bringing the the film to market even before. The original cast for the two sort of main protagonists in this were absolutely not the kind of people that you would expect. So the original cast from this side of things was Marlon Brando and Jack Nicholson. So those were the original cast members. And Brando was... Um, Brando was the Del Toro character and Nicholson was the Depp character. And the reason they stopped stopped production on the film was because they got too old. And then it was meant to be somebody else, and I'm trying to remember who it was on somebody else. Um, it was then meant to be Belushi and Aykroyd, uh, and that fell apart because Belushi died. Then it was meant to be John Malkovich, who was going to play the role of Duke, and then that went wrong. John Cusack was almost cast. That went wrong. It was all based on age and so on. And then Thompson met with Depp, apparently. I'm going to completely be transparent on this. My knowledge of this is Wikipedia-based, so I don't know how true this is, what I'm saying, apparently. Um And he became absolutely convinced that Johnny Depp was the only person that could play that role. And then they just found Del Toro in another way. But both of the two of them just threw themselves into the role to this to a sense that uh, Del Toro put on some ridiculous amount of weight by eating 16 donuts a day for three months. And Johnny Depp locked himself in the basement of somebody's house so that he could really read the original transcript from... 
Did he lock himself in Jim Carrey's house when he was doing Ace Ventura? Because the first five minutes of this film, in fact, throughout this whole performance, I just got Ace Ventura vibes. Oh, from is Johnny it because of the affected way that he speaks? Yeah. Uh, That's how Hunter S. Thompson talks. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I thought that was the case. I went and looked at interviews of Hunter S. Thompson and that kind of clipped nature of speaking is actually how Hunter S. Thompson talks. Uh, Hunter S. Thompson does make a cameo in this movie. Uh, there's, during that drug trip scene, uh, during one of the many drug trip scenes where he's like, I, he thinks he sees himself and there's an older man sitting at a table. That's Hunter S. Thompson in real life. How ironic. Mm. Um, but there were lots of cameos in the hair as well that I just, I was very surprised because I found it really difficult um, watching this film, so I did have to go back and do sort of a bit of a YouTube trawl to a certain extent to pull out some of the key scenes um, to look at it. And I did find one which was absolutely hilarious is as he walks into Circus Circus, there's the guy that's basically shouting at him in the cowboy hat, and that is uh, Penn from Penn and Teller. And then you wouldn't be surprised. I, I was absolutely aghast to to find out that Cameron Diaz was in it. And like, there's some really, really bigish name actors and actresses in this film that you just kind of think, "My lord, why the hell are they in this?" And they must be fans of Hunter S. Thompson, right? You have to remember it's 1998. So yeah. at this point, Cameron Diaz hasn't really blown up yet. Yeah, true. Um, something has, about Mary comes out like two months after this. Shrek comes out three years after. And you've also got, of course, you would know the year of a <laughs> bloody animated movie. And then you've got Toby Maguire in there before his Spider-Man days and yeah. before he really blew up and stuff like that. But I just have to say something about Toby Maguire, just thinking about it from an artistic standpoint. My Lord, how old did he look? He looked 40, right? I was yeah. like... I was like, what? It's all in the hair. All it's, in the hair. It's unbelievable. No, it wasn't just in the hair. It was like he really looked old. But what's funny is like now he kind of, if you've seen Babylon, he kind of plays like creepy weirdos. And I was like, you can see even when he was young, how easy he can lean into creepy weirdo territory. <laughs> um, On that note, are there any performances in particular that you liked in this movie? I kind of like Johnny Depp in anything to a certain extent. I think he's a he's a a great actor, and he let let's be entirely honest. I doubt he was, but there is the potential this could have been sort of part of his drug phase. Um, but he certainly plays someone on drugs extraordinarily well. Um, apart from the point where they're taking, I think it's ethanol where they're sniffing ethanol. Um, or ether or whatever whatever they're sniffing. But apart from the scene where they're both walking up to the turnstiles in Circus Circus where they're all a bit bandy, um, I thought the the drug trip experience from both of them was extremely well acted. It's very difficult to play drunk or inebriated. Um, so I think both of them were extremely good. But I love Johnny Depp in most things. James? I, I'll, I'll actually agree with John on that one. Uh, Johnny Depp... I didn't like him in the first five minutes of the film, but this is probably coming from, this is my first time viewing it, and I've known Johnny Depp as Jack Sparrow, mm. and it was just, 
took a lot of his mannerisms from a mixture of Ace Ventura and Jack Sparrow, and I was like, I was trying to get my head around that. But once you actually go into it and kind of his depiction of someone literally high on drugs for the, his whole life, it was good. It was a high point of the film, and Del Toro as well, kind of the chemistry between them two was, the, again, the highlight of the film. Um, I've never really seen much of Del Toro, and by much, probably st the Star Wars The Last Jedi, which I hated as well, but I mean, that's how much I haven't seen his films. I was really impressed with him in this one. This, I like Benicio Del Toro a lot, but I've seen a lot of him. And so for me, this is like mediocre by Del Toro standards. What's some of his... He won the Oscar for Traffic. Um, there's the one... Oh my God. I'm spacing. The one on the Mexican border, the Border Patrol one with Emily Blunt. I do not know. While you're thinking of that, I think I just want to go back to... James's point about he loved the interaction between Del Toro and Johnny Depp. They did actually get nominated for a Stinker's Bad Movie Award for Worst On Screen Couple. Really? I mean, I was annoyed by both of them and I wanted them both to go away. So uh, the name of the movie is Sicario. That's what I'm thinking uh, of. That, yeah. I, He's great in Sicario. And, um, you know, he just shows up and I'll. Didn't that win loads of academies? Like it was the big blockbuster of the year in terms of no you're thinking of traffic i think yeah i will say my favorite performance i think it's just because i miss him he died too young uh michael jeter popping up as the drug expert at the da convention giving the presentation about drugs and not knowing anything i'm just like oh i love you i wish you were still around because like the small dose of him is is a great little add to any movie uh, Flea's little cameo was weird. Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Who was the... his? What was his little cameo? So when Johnny Depp was in the bathroom, and I think he had LSD on his red oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. shirt or something. Flea is the one who came in and started licking it all off his arm. And Flea's the is he the bassist for the Red Hot Chili Peppers? Flea that as hippie right. is the character name. Yeah. Mm. All right. So is that if we had to pick the worst performances in this movie? I thought the cop who pulled him over was pretty frustrating. Gary Busey? Yeah. I think Gary Busey was pretty boring. I liked that scene. I thought that was a really funny scene. I thought Christina Ritchie was given... I think that's just the character, though. I found the way her character was was just, like, so bonkers and stupid, but I'm pretty sure that was the writing versus her. Yeah, so here's the thing. This film... I genuinely watched this film, and... I thought I took it in. When I was doing research, I completely missed Christina Ritchie. I completely missed the Lucy character oh, in the whole, whole thing. that whole section skeeved me out so much. And I get that you're kind of supposed to be skeezed out by like his jokes about whoring her out and things like that. But I'm just like, this is so uncomfortable and I don't like it at all. And, and I mean, I think to as you know ascribe some intent that the intent of this movie based on like the monologue and the excerpts and things that they use is to show that like Vegas is designed to bring out the absolute worst in everybody and there's a critique of Vegas in here somewhere and that them you know abandoning her and joking about you know turning her into a prostitute is making a statement along those lines like if there is kind of a purpose to this movie i was somewhat thinking that's where they were going with it but maybe that was just me 
Isn't this some supposed to replicate like the American dream and just living in the area of like the Nixon like administration and stuff like that? It's like post Vietnam. I I cannot put any post it on this. I can't put any sort of uh, motive for the movie at all because it's. Would you just... like some LSD and we'll just watch the film again? We might have a different opinion then. Uh, I'd rather I not. Say, thank you. When Hunter S. Thompson was asked to do readings of the novel, the passage that he tended to pick was that section where Johnny Depp is like looking out the window and reminiscing, and you're seeing the shots of like the protesters and the war and things like that. It's called like the wave. So that section where he's like, and that I think was the handle, that sense of inevitable victory over the forces of old and evil, not in any mean or military sense, we didn't need that, our energy would simply prevail. There was no point in fighting on our side or theirs, we had all the momentum, we were riding the crest of a high and beautiful wave. John's like, that doesn't ring a bell either. I mean, I struggled. I really did struggle. Okay, I'm going to throw out a question to end our, our discussion of the film here before we get into is it better or worse. By the way, on the Vegas side of this, I don't have much to say. It's interesting. You can't drive down Fremont Street anymore. It's pedestrian now. So it was in- fun to see somebody like driving down Fremont Street. Bazooka Circus is Circus Circus, as John has noted. And then the Flamingo, that is the lobby because they have these very low mirrored ceilings. Mm. But it looks so much different than the Flamingo that I have come to know. That's all I got on the gambling front. Uh, question for you guys. So that morning he wakes up and Dr. Gonzo is gone and he starts driving back to L.A. and he gets to Baker. He then calls Dr. Gonzo, who is sober, in a suit, sitting in the office, who's like, hey, you got to get back. I booked you a suite at the Flamingo. He gets back to the Flamingo. Dr. Gonzo is there. My question, is Dr. Gonzo real? Or is he, is it like the sixth sense? You know, he's been a, a drug trip all along. This is where the confusion for the film kind of came from for me. I, I didn't know if it was a hallucination or not from that scene. I think everything kind of points that way. Well, because when he's on the phone, you can see the fabric of the like pink and orange dashiki thing that he puts on later. But yeah, I was like, are we supposed to conclude that we're not sure if Dr. Gonzo is even real? Well, I mean, he, he sent them to the Flamingo and he did have a room there, so... So, yeah, but I'm saying the lawyer back there is real, but the person on the trip with him is a figment of his imagination? Well, that's what I was going to get at. I think he's not on the actual trip. Yeah. I think the lawyer is a lawyer and he's in the office and he's smart and he's with it and he's all that. And I actually think that Johnny Depp is... I think a lot of it is just an entire trip. The only thing that leads you to think that it's not a trip is that they're driving down the road and Johnny Depp's not driving. Well, that's actually a good point. I was going to say that the scene where towards the end when they're in that little cafe and Del Toro gets the pie and he goes goes out back to the car, when you actually see Johnny Depp's character go to the car after leaving, you don't see Del Toro's character in the car. And I know there's kind of that white Cadillac convertible roof torn up, but you still don't see any part of his body on the passenger seat side. <laughs> So I don't know if that's just a continuity error or... Or sneaky. Yeah. That had my favorite line in the whole movie, by the way, which is, 
North Vegas is where where you go when you effed up once too often on the strip. I was like, correct. <laughs> this is this holds true even in 2023. Yeah, yeah, very true. All right, uh, John, I'm going to warn you right now. If you hem on waste my time with this, when I see you next, I will hurt you. Is this movie better or worse than Rain Man? Considering I'm going to see you very shortly in Vegas itself. Uh, I'm not going to waste your time. It is a, a horrendous movie, and in fact, it's the worst movie I've ever watched. Dang. Even worse than the Flintstones? Worst ever. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Dino beats something. <laughs> <laughs> James, is this movie better or worse than Rain Man? I won't waste any more time. It's worse than Rain Man. I think this is... I think I liked this even less than Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, which is saying a lot. That surprises me. Not neither of my cup of tea. So, yeah. all right, Rain Man remains the leader in the clubhouse, but the question really is: Will James remain the leader in the quiz clubhouse? Absolutely, because I cannot even tell you anything about this movie. I think if this quiz is going to be heavily based off Las Vegas, then no, because John's got far more experience and knowledge and bigs than me, guys. Don't tune out yet. We've got two people who think they're going to suck at something. So, <laughs> like, way to sell it, kids. All right. Since James won last week, uh, that means we will have James go first on the first question. Hunter S. Thompson is the author of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. What does the S stand for? A. Stanford, B. Samuel, C. Stockton, or D. Nothing. Um, nothing. Stockton. I knew the answer. Stockton to that. is the correct answer. Okay. Well done, John. <laughs> James well done. is leaving. <laughs> James is unplugged. <laughs> James He's ready to I'm go. Done. I'm out. All right. John, Terry Gilliam and Johnny Depp worked together on an attempt to adapt a classic novel that ultimately never really got finished. What book were they attempting to adapt? The Picture of Dorian Gray, The War of the Worlds, Don Quixote, or Gulliver's Travels? I, I think it's probably The Picture of Dorian Gray. James? Um, when were they working on this? After Fear and Loathing. They tried to okay. make this movie. They like lost insurance. They lost Johnny Depp for a while. It was a big catastrophe. So I'm pretty sure the picture of Dorian Gray was actually done not long after that film, or at least in the next five years. So I'm not going to say that. Maybe is it Don Quixote was one? Will we go with that one? Don Quixote? Don Quixote, yeah. Is that your pick? That's my pick. It is Don Quixote. Okay. That, okay. was very, All right. that, was, that was an educated but guess, just from the answers. Gillingham and Depp worked together again in the bit after um, Matey Boy sadly passed away, didn't they? Uh, was it The Imagination of Dr. Panassas? Yeah, Imaginarium or whatever Imaginarium it is, yeah. of Dr. Panassas, because he completed the film after Heath Ledger died. All right. How many times has the Mint 400 dirt race run? 50, 44... 38 or 26, James? Um, 44. John? That was going to be my answer because it's Lewis Hamilton's number. Um, what are the other options? 
50, 38, and 26. Can I just do Lewis Hamilton thing online with this? Just because he's 44. He's not oh, very okay. 44. I write my no... questions based on whether or not I can land on Lewis Hamilton's number. He has <laughs> caught me. Um, what are the other numbers again? 50, 38, 26. I'm not 44, but I'm going to go 38, whatever it was. The answer is 38. Oh, there you go. Should have gone with mine. So, slight lead for John right now. And John, this is your question. Which SNL star played Hunter S. Thompson in the 1980 film Where the Buffalo Roam? Chevy Chase, Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi, or Bill Murray? Where the Buffalo Roam? Is it Belushi? I can't tell you. That's not really how the quiz works. <laughs> I'm going, is it Belushi? It's okay, I'm saying Belushi. Belushi? James. Who are the other ones? Chevy Chase, Chase, Dan Aykroyd, and Bill Murray. I'm going to go Chevy Chase because I just know he's been on before. I don't know the others have. You are both wrong. The answer is Bill Murray. See, Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd, is it just me who think they're the same person? I have, no, that is not a problem. Dan Aykroyd's like nerdy. Yeah, they just, but to me, they're, they're both the same person. I don't see it. Sorry. Not in the slightest. No, Bill Moore is quite iconic to me, so I can't see anyone else being Bill Moore. Sorry, Bill. Sorry, Dan. All right, last question. And James, you have to get this right to tie. Okay. I thought it would be, I thought John would actually be winning this by a, a bigger margin than he is right now. So. Well, none of it's about Vegas. Yeah, well. Ish. And this one isn't either. So, when Johnny Depp is driving back from Vegas, the first time he is trying to make it to Baker, California. Baker, California is best known for being home to what attraction? The world's biggest ball of yarn, the earliest remains of man in the U.S., the world's largest windmill, or the world's tallest thermometer? James. Um... You know what? I was really hoping you was going to say the world's tallest, like, dinosaur construction. <laughs> the, world's the world's tallest, tallest artificial Dino. dinosaur? <laughs> yeah. No, just from like, playing New Vegas, which is a Fallout game, they, they've got it in there, and it's off kind of a monument around Vegas, apparently. Um, I'm going to go Ball of Yarn. I, I don't know. I'm going to go Ball of Yarn, though. John? What were the other three? You've made this harder. The earliest remains of man that we found in the U.S.? the world's largest windmill, or the world's tallest thermometer. What state's this in? Baker, California. can't see it being the oldest U.S. male. So I've got to go... I, to be fair, I wanted ball of yarn, just because it sounds cool. Uh, Depending so on your answer, should we do a deal or no deal swap situation? Oh, so it's either windmill or what was the last one? Thermometer. I'm going to go thermometer. That is the answer. It is the world's tallest thermometer. You can see it as you're driving on the highway. You can drive by and you will see exactly how unbearably hot it is in the middle of the freaking desert. All right. So, John, you have reclaimed the throne. I don't know how. <laughs> which means you get to flip the coin on our next flick that we are going to watch. Uh I believe that the film that was left over from last week was Pinball. Yeah. Your choice. I am going to throw in 
one that I am excited about, which is The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar, which is now on Netflix and available to watch. So which of these are you going to give heads or tails to? So having already watched Pimble, I know that it's a slightly left-field version of the rules of this pod. So I'm going to go heads for Pimble and hope that it goes tails. It has gone tails. So we will be watching The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar on our next episode of Cinema Reels. Guys, that means get over to Netflix, get watching. That way I can keep you tuned in, post our spoiler alert, and we will hopefully be a little more enthusiastic on the next episode of the podcast.